Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Oh, what a night. Watching Tottenham on a Tuesday night. Hello, and welcome to Oh, What a Night, part of the 90 Bin Podcast Network. We're back after what seems like a really long month off. You may have noticed I'm not Ben Haynes, I'm Sean Walsh, because I'm not a traitor and busy doing other things today. <laughs> and I'm joined I'm joined by June Summerfield and Dan Kopatrick of the Evening Standard. Boys, how are we doing? Hello. Very well. Yeah, decent. Thanks, mate. Not too bad. The listeners can't see this, but on our Zoom call, Dan is wearing a woolly hat because his heating's a bit busted and... It's not busted. It's just really cold in my house. That makes makes it even worse. You haven't even got an excuse. (laughs) This is literally how I live my life in winter: just wearing fleeces and woolly hats. This is how I saw you on the. This is how I saw you on the overground home yesterday. So we were all at the game yesterday. You two were there in a um, professional capacity. I was there as a fan for. I think it was the first time I've been as a fan since Bayern slapped us seven-two. So, so that was nice to enjoy. Um, but yeah, we're going to take a look at the game from yesterday and then take a broader look at Antonio Conte's reign so far because the last pod we did was just before he was confirmed as manager. So we weren't even in the Conte era yet. So we'll start with the 3 0 against Norwich yesterday. Um, what are you guys' general thoughts on that? This is our biggest win of the season in the league, really kind of momentum building. But do you think that the opposition? of the opponent as a caveat. And we did have a question from Martin McDonald who said, are we doing a little over the top with the praise? Because with this, this is a team that are bottom of the league and did have a few chances to score. But let's start with the positives. What were the good things about yesterday? I felt like it was another step forward, although I didn't think Spurs were as in control as they were against Brentford. I thought it was looser and less comfortable than the Brentford game up until Sanchez's goal. Uh, Norwich could not hit a barn door and they couldn't finish their dinner (laughs) and any other cliches you wish to mention that they really missed some big chances from, I think, the second minute when Pukki was kind of free in the box and shot straight at Lloris. Mm -hmm. Um, They had a couple where it just kind of dropped them in the box from six, seven yards out and they didn't hit the target. So they should have at least made Lloris work. Um, So I thought it was less comfortable, but... Yeah, it, it just feels to me at the moment as though with every game, you know, Spurs are taking a, a small step forward. I mean, just statistically speaking, the Brentford game was the biggest win of the season, the biggest league win of the season on Thursday night because Spurs hadn't won by more than a clear goal up to that point. And then they went and topped it by winning by three clear goals against Norwich. So it, it just feels like very slowly but surely everything's just kind of clicking into place. And obviously the, the quality of the opponents, you know, the opponents to newly promoted clubs and before that Leeds who were really struggling is a caveat, but you can only beat what's in front of you. Um, and, you know, that I'm sure there could well be a bump in the road in the next three with Brighton, um, Leicester and, and Liverpool coming up. But 
you know, nonetheless, you have to say that these last three have been really encouraging. Mm, yeah, for sure. Um, it's nice to get a comprehensive win as well. And Spurs are going to need a few more, seeing as they're like still in minus goal difference at the moment somehow after those 3-0, those like, back-to-back 3-0 defeats under Nuno. Um, so, yeah, it's good little baby steps. I mean, as Dan said, on another day with strikers who have a little more pedigree than Puki, Adamida. I think Josh Sargent had a really good opportunity at the end of the game and ended up kicking it with his right foot onto his left foot and the ball like squirmed onto the edge of the area. Um, but yeah, it's nice to see the structure in place um, because there was nothing. It was just vibes under Nuno and before that Mourinho. So it's much better to see everything in place and seeing how the team builds attacks and um, they scored like seven in their last three in the league, which is much better than the grinding out of the one nils. So yeah, it's it's looking better for sure. Yeah, we're on the right track. It's been said by by a few people in the last few days, but you know, it, there are definitely Conte type situations emerging all all over the pitch, which is which is so encouraging. And I think yeah, many of us thought that could take even longer. Perhaps even Conte himself, given the way he was talking. Um, you know, repeating Nuno and that he was bemoaning kind of lack of time on the training pitch and the amount of matches. But obviously the the second goal against Brentford was was straight out of Conte's playbook. Um and I think there were you know plenty of scenarios um against Norwich that were quite Conte like as well. And and it really just feels like Spurs are, are getting there. They're, they're obviously not able to play his football for 90 minutes at the moment or perhaps even the majority of the game, but they're able to do it for enough of the game to to beat these type of teams, which is why, you know, playing the likes of Brighton, um, Leicester and Liverpool, who are you know, just better sides, will be you know, really revealing as to where Spurs are under him. Yeah, I think over, I think certainly from the start of the Brentford game to the end of the Norwich game, there's this one move which we do under Conte where it's like one of the centre-backs gets the ball, they play a direct ball between the line and whoever's there they got their back to the opposition goal. They play a, a quick pass to the side. And the first few instances in both games, the ball always seemed to cannon off Son or Lucas or whoever is trying to control the ball. And I think by the end of those games, we were finding it a bit more easy, maybe because the game opens up a bit more or later in the game, we're already winning them. Um, but it does seem like the more we play, the more rhythm we're getting, the more momentum we're getting. And I guess that is the caveat to maybe we won't be as fit as we want to be, but at least we know what we're doing tactically and that should help us over the next month. Really busy month, at least until I think I said to you, Dan, yesterday, it'd be good to get to the Liverpool game with some momentum so that that we can have that Liverpool game as a real yardstick of progress. We don't want to interrupt that flow. And I do think that we play Brighton and Leicester at opportune times because I think neither of them are in particularly amazing form. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully that continues. Um, one other notable improvement is that, We've moved away from the Jose model success of just rely on Son and Kane to bail us out. It feels like everyone across the team is pulling their weight and doing their bit. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. And that's really excellent because you don't want to be relying on one player in particular. And when, you know, a player like Kane has a drop off in terms of statistics, I actually thought he was, he played okay yesterday and on a few, um, on a few other games, a few other games, he might have he might have had a couple, and if if this was in a season where he was bagging, you know, he had got twenty goals by this by this time he hadn't scored. You just think um, it was one of those games where he just couldn't rifle it in. But um, the good thing is that you know you've got players like Ben Davis bringing the ball out of, out defence and finding some attacking quality in in the right moments. Um, I'm not sure how often you can rely on Lucas Mora to to bang in a goal that good because we know he loves running into a cul-de-sac about 10 or 15 times a game. <laughs> um, we should talk about that goal though, right? That was absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah. absolutely oh, ridiculous. God. Like, I it's couldn't... just everything about it from, because it, it starts with Reglon almost losing the ball, but he just about saves it with a back heel and we play it across the other side so well. And Lucas has the really nice interplay with Son. And it just, everything about it felt so perfect. And I was sat behind that goal and you could just see, like the way that he was running up to it, it felt like it was going slow motion. It's like, 
oh, it's going top bins. You just know it's going in. I think in yeah, Lucas's mind, beautiful. that's like that's what he is as a player. Yeah, he, <laughs> that's what he thinks he is every single week. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> he's I'm just going to spin away from a defender and bang it in the top corner, but it never really works out like that. It was such a good. It goal. was this, the skill to beat Gilmore was great as well. It was mm. it was that kind of school playground skill when someone's just mm. way better than everyone else and can just kind of knock it around them and just run around the other way and then stick it in the top corner. Um, but it had a bit of everything. It had skill. It had a bit of poise with the the one two was on. It had a bit of scuffling because he had to kind of scuffle away from the second man. I, I can't remember who it was. And Norwich is number was, forty uh, or forty four. Um, yeah, and, and and then it had the you know the finish that was unsavable. But he just has these games, Lucas, where you know obviously there's one famous example, but he does have these games where he just feels unplayable, and it can happen kind of against all different types of opposition. I mean being a little bit cruel it, you know, it does tend to happen more against the Norwiches of this world but sometimes it just feels like he's he's really difficult to stop and I felt like he had a first half like that yesterday where when he was breaking Norwich were just resorting to fouls I think Billy Gilmore got booked for bringing him down um, and everything was kind of coming off his little flicks his dummies um, obviously the goal yeah everything he did felt like it was working um and he has those games. He doesn't have enough of them, which is what Conte said afterwards. You know, he needs to score more. He needs to do that more often. But he does have those games where you suddenly think, my God, he's he's amazing. Um, which is why I'll go back to my campaign for Lucas Moura to go and play in the Championship and just be amazing every week. I think it would be really fun. Um, but, I, I, you know, you like to think that Conte is going to improve everyone. So, you know, perhaps we, we just could see that unplayable, unstoppable Lucas on a more regular basis. It would obviously be very nice. Attention parents and students. We have an incredible exclusive offer from our friends at ProPrep. This is the perfect study tool for university students undertaking science, technology, engineering, or maths related modules. It can halve your study time. ProPrep provides bite-sized videos relevant to the module or course, which can be accessed from any device at any time. It has already helped over 500,000 students to pass their exams. They provide customised STEM study tools that match your syllabus. Long lectures are condensed into short and clear video tutorials. And after the videos, you can go through what you've just learned with interactive exercises and practice questions so you'll be ready. You can even submit questions to the ProPrep professors and receive a video answer within 24 hours. ProPrep created a special offer just for our listeners. All you need to do is go to their website, proprep.uk forward slash info forward slash football for more information. And our listeners can sign up for a free 30-day trial now. No credit card information required. That's P-R-O-P-R-E-P dot U-K forward slash info forward slash football. ProPrep. The ultimate study tool. And two others who really have come on leaps and bounds under Conte so far. Oliver Skip, two man of the match displays in a week. And Ben Davis, who who suddenly is just this massive goal for it and bringing the ball out from the back extraordinaire. Yeah, he's like uh he's like Tottenham's as Pilaqueta now, it seems. Like uh he did he just manages to find the little space where he is charging forward and you've got Regulon usually um, who's out wide and then Sessegnon obviously came on yesterday. Um, but he's always been like a decent cross of the ball. He's probably never got the stats to, to back it up that he should have he should have done. But it's, it's nice that he has only ever really been a squad player for Spurs unless when Danny Rose has been injured. But it's nice that we're getting improved levels from these players and um, it's not just like a this squad is poor issue that has been you know that has been banded around a lot. There is there are players that need to be moved on for sure, but there's there's ways of getting better performances out of these players, and everyone's contributing, which is excellent at the moment. Hmm. I think when you, yeah, I mean on on, on. sorry Sean, that's okay, go. Well, I was going to say on on Davis. I mean, <laughs> it's only been a few games, obviously, and we can't get too carried away, but. You know, I, I wonder, you know, whether we're we're genuinely about to see his kind of 
best run of form at Spurs, which is saying something because he was obviously a, a you know part of Pochettino's squad from the very beginning. I think he was one of Pochettino's very first signings. Mm, but he, yeah. you know, he he and he had you know long spells of, of filling in for for Danny Rose when he was injured. Um, so it's not like he's he's not played many games. But I, I can I can't really remember you know too many spells where he was you know anything more than just kind of solid each game. But he, he does feel like that that left centre-half position, which I think most people knew because he played it well for Wales and he did play it briefly um, for Mourinho from time to time and, and Pochettino. But I think we all knew that that was a position that would perhaps suit him better than wing-back or left-back. And he just seems to really, really be enjoying it. And yeah, as, as you said, he's he's popping up in the box and, and looking a huge threat. So I wonder if we're, you know, we, we could be about to see genuinely Davis's sort of best ever run in, in a Spurs show if, if he can keep this up. Um, which is which is really nice because he's been around for a long time. Been a you love surf, Gentle Ben, I don't think. you? <laughs> I, I I love him. I love him in the from a from a kind of work perspective. He, he just seems like a top <laughs> bloke. He's always the guy that like fronts up. I remember like when Spurs lost to Colchester in the League Cup. Do you remember when Pochettino's reign oh, was kind of oh, disintegrating? Yeah. And I needed some quotes afterwards, and and it was. Gentle Ben, he stepped forward. And, you know, I, I love, I've loved him in, in sort of that respect in that he's obviously a top bloke, but I, I can't say I've sort of loved him as a footballer, particularly over the last few years. Um, but that, that's that's why I'm, I'm kind of hopeful and, and excited that he could, you know, keep up this form and really have a run where you think, okay, actually, you know, he is a much better footballer than perhaps he's been given credit for over over the years. Yeah, he played a really nice part in the third goal, which was a really nice finish from Son. Um, mm. And it was it was a nice little link up with Ollie Skip just before as well, who had another great game against his old club. Um, what was nice about Ollie Skip is this, I'm, I'm sure you guys would have um, heard it in the stadium, but on the on the few occasions where he recovered the ball when you know maybe he shouldn't have from Norwich's perspective, there was a really aggressive and lovely roar from the crowd when he did. Everyone mm, got really it, yeah. psyched up by him winning the ball back. I think there was one where he sort of slid near the touchline, sort of controlled it while he was on the floor and managed to get it back. Um, so he's in a really awesome vein of form now. And there, there will be bigger tests to come. And I don't think he's really excelled against those big teams. I mean, it's not particularly his fault. We, we haven't played any big teams with a proper structure in place as of yet. So we'll see how he how he holds up against those those better teams. But but yes, yeah, it's, it's encouraging signs. And um it's just it's just that partnership with with Hoybia I'm not totally convinced of yet. Because Skip's a very all action player, isn't he? And you've sort of got Hoybia who sits behind him and sometimes doesn't always create like the right angles for a pass and you just sort of stay a bit too static. So just worried about that partnership. But he was brilliant yesterday for sure. I think it, yeah, it, was, was... it was kind of fitting that um, Skip did that against Norwich as well, because I think, hmm. well, I certainly thought, or I think you could have made a case anyway, that in the first few months of the season, you, you know, he was he was doing well, he was always solid, but you did wonder if it would have, you know, if he would have benefited from going back to Norwich and you know learning about the Premier League there, and you you look at kind of Chelsea who were able to say to Gilmore and Gallagher. You know, go and learn your. You know, go and learn about this league at a lesser club where there's less pressure, and you know, come back and 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 fight for a place here. And and you, I did think, you know, Spurs just don't have that luxury, and that's a shame. Um, and it might might have helped Skip, but now, you know, the last couple of games, you know, he does look like one of Spurs' most important players. He looks like he's been playing the Premier League for a lot longer than he has. Um, and actually, you know, he, he'd obviously be a huge loss if he wasn't at the club at the moment. So I think. Um, you know, in, in that respect, um, he's he's proving that not going back to Norwich or going on loan elsewhere um, was absolutely the right move from the club and, and from him. Use me real Scott Parker vibes, even down to the 360-ing. <laughs> so, I guess... Well, what I guess what we... kind of player do you think he'll be, Sean, though? I mean, if you had to compare him, or, or, or maybe, maybe there isn't a comparison, but I, I don't... Yeah, Scott Parker's not a bad shout. I think he's going to be more, more. Do you be more carroty, or or box to box? Well, I think Conte's trying to 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 give him license to get forward, 
And hmm. Conte, when he spoke about him, you know, really honed in on the, you know, possession side of his game as, as the area that can improve. I think Conte's probably broadly happy with what he's doing off the ball. You know, his his work rate, you know, those, those tackles that Jude mentioned. Um, but I think he's trying to make him into, you know, he, he's got a cracking pass on him. So, yeah, maybe Carrick's not a bad comparison. Carrick also had the ability to kind of do those, you know, do those runs from deep and sort of beat men. Hmm. Um, just sort of ease past them. I don't know, but I'm just kind of excited to see what, what he can become. But I, I think he's more than just a kind of holding player, obviously. I think we're, we're gradually seeing that. I remember when he was first breaking through slash the really kind of top player in the youth teams, someone I know followed them closely. The comparison that was always brought up was um, the Manja Matic. Now, I don't think... Manja Matic is like six foot three and really well built. So I don't think... It's going to directly translate into that, but if he's at least eighty percent of that, given his height, I think that's still a really, really, really nice player to have in there. And I guess nowadays it does help that this is a player who was brought through the system and genuinely does love the club. So mm. I think that's that will work in our favour. Um, so Jude, you touched on it briefly about Kane. You thought he was okay. Um, Oh, is anyone here genuinely worried about him, though? I wrote a piece earlier about... It's it's weird because I don't think he looks unfit, but he doesn't look like this fully sharp goal scorer who is really causing a lot of danger either. I think yesterday was probably the most dangerous he's looked all season, and even then it wasn't anywhere near where he was last season. Uh, It's it's a really... It's a a bit of a weird one. I'm not really sure what... um what the the problem in particular is because he he got into the right positions yesterday i don't think he sees as much of the ball as he did under Mourinho last season simply because that was the whole plan it was just get the ball to kane and maybe he'll he'll uh he'll do something something good i I do think we're sort of yet to see his quarterback best this season because I think if you're if you're playing wing backs and you're getting them really high up the pitch and Kane wants to drop deep, he should have more options for passes. He should be able to pick out, you know, Regulon or Sessegnon on the left or um, Emerson or Tanganga on the right. So I, I don't know. I think if if one of those, you know, if the chip had gone in, that might have been. I think he probably should have scored with the chip because he tries that chip all the time. Oh, and all I don't time, think it's yeah. ever worked. I don't think it's ever worked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Krull's not the most mobile of goalkeepers and he was so far out. Like, he had a lot of the goals mm. waiting for. Um, but then he, he he played his part for for the third or the second. I think it was the second goal that Sanchez played. So that Sanchez scored. He, he yeah, he was from his shot that they got the corner from, yeah. Yeah, so I do think on, on another day, maybe he gets one or two and and that we, we maybe we don't really talk about it. But it is weird just to have one Premier League goal after all this time. But maybe it's it's a good thing that Spurs are scoring goals without having to rely on him so much. But but as you said in your in your piece as well, Sean, like he needs to start scoring goals for himself as well as the team because after the summer he had, where he was itching for a move mm. away, um, he needs to he needs to get that sort of profile back up again, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's a weird one. Yeah, I I think I wouldn't say I'm worried about him, um, and I think. Generally, it's it's always a fool's game to doubt Kane or criticise him, really, because he, he just, as we all know, has, has made a career on on proving people wrong and, and responding to that kind of doubt and criticism. But I will say, I do think he looks leggy, quite leggy. You know, there was a couple of times against Brentford and Norwich when he he just wasn't able to make the most of a, a decent counter-attacking situation that the, the team had kind of engineered. Um, he looks hesitant, I think, on the ball. You know, he he doesn't look as sure of of himself. We saw a couple of really you know, quality, instinctive passes against Brentford, and I think you know when he's you know, when he's not thinking about it so much, he's you know still able to play those balls that, that no one else in the Spurs squad and, and not many other people in the Premier League are able to play. But you know, I don't think he looks right at the moment, um, and I, I also don't think you know Conte made the point that. The team just needs to create chances for him, but you know I, the chances that have been created in the last 
few games he has missed. You know, he missed a one-on-one against Fernandez on Thursday night, and he, he obviously missed a couple um, against Norwich. Albeit, I, I do agree with Jude that on a different day, you know, he might have scored a couple. So yeah, I, I don't think he looks right. Um, but I wouldn't say I'm unduly worried about it at the moment. Um, the players around him have stepped up, but. You know, Conte has clearly kind of sparked Lucas and Son into life. Son was was kind of quietly on a really bad run of form that hadn't really been picked up on. Um, but he's come back to life in the last few games. And and it just still hasn't quite happened for Kane. But I do think there have been incremental improvements. Um, it's just just that, that, that kind of question as well. You know, Conte said he's going to play every game. You know, does he just need to play through this and to build up the sharpness? Because he obviously missed a lot of pre-season or does he need more rest? I mean, I, I, you, you never know with him, do you? Um, but I suspect Conte saying that he couldn't drop him, which is what he said at the press conference before Norwich, is music to Kane's ears because he obviously wants to play every single minute of every game, as we know. I don't think Conte was too confident when he was talking about using Bergwijn as a number nine either. I know I wasn't too confident about that. Guy's got no, yeah, four, I agree. Goals, with you, four yeah. goals in sixty-one games. I'm not confident about that. Um, but I think you're right, Dan. You touched on the, the hesitancy is because he does get in when he has these runs. No matter how rare it is for him to be on like a barren streak, it, it is the hesitancy where he just he takes half a second too long. He wait. He just waits. I think the thing that stands out for me was: Do you remember we played Inter away in the Champions League and the group stage a couple of years ago? And at nil-nil, I think Ericsson chipped one over the top for him and he was one-on-one with the keeper. And you were just expecting him to hit it and he just stuttered and stuttered and stuttered and eventually the keeper just came and swept it away. And I think that's kind of what he looks like now and he just sucked his own head. I think, the, I think the thing that doubly worries me is that you would say like to get out of this kind of form, all he needs to do is smash in a couple against some crap sides and he'll have that kind of goal-storing touchback. And he's been, do- he's been doing that in the Conference League and for England and it's still not translating into the Premier League goals. But, you know, a lot of Premier League games to come this month. It's really unlikely he's going to go without scoring a few more. So, not too worried, I guess. Um, just a quick one from yesterday's press. So, this is from Ram Prasad. Antonio Conte was very emotional in his press conference after the game. And it seems like he already has an emotional connection with the fans. Um, for those who didn't, who didn't watch the game, uh, Conte clapped the South stand when they were singing his name towards the end of the game. Um, he, um, Ramp Prasad asks us to name a Spurs manager that you found would have oh, connect, that has connected with the fans so quickly. And I think there's one obvious answer. But... <laughs> did, did, did Poch... It wasn't that Poch I think that I personally bought into him just because it was the start of a new process and it wasn't Tim Sherwood. <laughs> I, I think that was. I, I, think, like I, th- I think. I think you're rewriting history here, mate. I remember <laughs> you his head before the Villa game. I don't. Yeah, I don't think I people were buying into him after the the losses to West Brom at home <laughs> and the draw with. I, don't, I can't remember. It was too I hard. can't remember if I'm honest. I can't well, remember. Got, it's, I mean, it's got, it's, the, the obvious one's Hoddle, right? I mean, he 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 had the fans on side immediately, but apart from Hoddle. Who, who had that connection for obvious reasons? I, I just can't remember. I mean, Yoel was well liked. Um, Harry made I'm a question with the yeah, Arsenal. Yeah, so I, I, I was thinking Harry um, Rennett, but just because of that, like just easiest way to get fans on side like that. Do you, so, do, yeah. you, do, you, but do you think then that Conte has done this quicker than anyone we can remember then? Is this almost unprecedented? I mean, Conte had fans singing. Um, Antonio, certainly on the train to Leeds, I heard a lot. Uh, sorry, uh, not Leeds. Um, on the train to Everton, um, mm. I heard a lot of chanting, you know, getting off at Liverpool, um, Lime Street, you know, Antonio. And at the game, there were lots of Italy flags. So that was what the first league game, his second game in charge. Um, yeah. I think Conte, given his reputation um, and given kind of two years of just awfulness that preceded him um, probably is the quickest that I can remember in terms of fans just buying into it straight away. Yeah, it, comes, is... from, it comes from the Nuno and Move factor as well, doesn't it? Because mm. 
I don't think fans really buy into move slagging off the squad and you know. Well, it, was re- it was really fifty-fifty with Mourinho, wasn't it? Because mm-hmm. you had this like, you know, the Mourinho cult who really loved him. It was like <laughs> he's a born he's a born winner, and all this kind of. Nonsense. You're part of that cult, right, Sean? <laughs> How dare that's the that's the most horrible thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> Uh, and, and with Mourinho, uh, there was there was all there was always the Chelsea connection, which put off some fans who you know, might have, have, have bought into it more. So, yeah, I don't think Mourinho was ever kind of universally uh, revered as quickly as Conte has been. Fair, yeah. Okay, you, did this... you see him slagging slagging off journalists this week? By the way, having him yeah. pop our salaries. Well, well Mourinho, yeah, incredible. Oh, he's lost unbelievable. <laughs> he's getting through it a lot quicker this time around. Like fair play to him, he's going for a new record. I think uh, so there were there were reports as well. I saw that Everton would be interested if they were to get rid of Rafa. It was just like <laughs> I th- I think Goodison oh, Park would sorry. simply blow up from the booze <laughs> that would ring around. Like that's already uh, the most miserable club in the world. They don't need that added misery <laughs> in their life. But yeah, okay. Let's move on to Conte Spurs in general. Since it's been a few weeks since I pod, um, what do you guys think the biggest changes he's made is, and what if, what's impressed you the most? Michael made a comment that we just look, we look functional again with no, not not many major kind of personnel changes from the new area. You certainly haven't been able to use the transfer market anyway. Jude, you going? Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm having a little. I'm having a little. Think. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, just think it comes down to a distinct style of play, doesn't it? And a manager who who does get in amongst the squad and who does chat with most of them, because we had a we we sort of know that Nuno was very much hands off as a manager. He didn't he didn't really talk to his players that often. There's a weird vibe during the early parts of the season, but. It, it just seems um, as if, you know, the players have a, have a good idea of what they're supposed to do. And I think there are a few interviews recently, like Eric Dyer's interview, I think in the mail, where he was chatting about working under Conte. Um, I think they just, they just have a greater idea of what's supposed to happen and how they can get results on the pitch. Um, but yeah, in particular, I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure. I just think it's, it's getting the best out of, out of out of good players, but not necessarily relying on your absolute best players to to get your results. Mm. I think it's a bit long winded. We'll probably we'll probably punch a few holes in that. But, <laughs> but I, Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I think. It, well, we've already spoken about individuals, and that's obviously been hugely impressive. How. Players who, like Ben Davis, who you know we knew we knew were kind of solid and and, and could help the team, you know, seem to have just gone up to levels that I don't think many of us expected. You know, likewise, um, just the whole defence really. I mean, I think there was there was a general view that you know, particularly um, during Mourinho's time that the defence was kind of beyond help, but Conte's immediately made them into a functioning unit and you know. The, couple of clean sheets in the last four days, obviously, um, very encouraging. Again, Liverpool and, and possibly Leicester um, will, will kind of put that improvement to the test, but that's reflected throughout the team, I think. Um, suddenly Spurs just look like a group of middling players, which is what Conte said, but but very, very well-coached middling players instead of middling players who aren't being coached and, and are therefore... You know, be it be it below middling. Um, so yeah, essentially, I, I just think Spurs are starting to look like the sum of their parts, or slightly greater than the sum of their parts, which I don't think has been true for for a couple of years, really. Um, so yeah, it's he's lifted the whole mood. He's lifted almost everything about the club. You know, we've mentioned the supporters. Um, he's definitely lifted the players. Um, he's. He's changed a lot in a relatively short space of time, so so, yeah. I mean, long may it continue, really. Um, but I don't, but I don't think you know it's anything many of us didn't expect, um, given his reputation. I suppose we'll come on to this. I think, but he, he has stuck more or less to the same players in the league, hasn't he? And and in, and for the mm. Vitesse game, and I do think he was taken aback by kind of how bad Mura was. So. You know, it, it will be interesting to see what happens on, on Thursday night against Wren. 
I think the big thing for me was the Leeds game. And it really felt like a kind of seismic shift between the Spurs of the last two years, which we kind of saw in the first half, not really, didn't really know what they were doing, just looked flat. It looked like, you know, Nuno or Mourinho are still in charge. And then the second half where I don't think there were any, there wasn't like a spectacular one or two players. It wasn't about that. It was about everyone collectively raising their game, everyone having kind of seven out of 10 performances, but that being enough to turn the game around and really kind of lift that mood, like you said, Dan. Um, and you just touched on there about the his team selections, how I think in the Prem it's been the same 12 or 13 different players. He has like the settled core. Um, obviously, Romero's got injured and then Emerson's out yesterday. Regulon got brought off. So only a couple of minor changes. I'm just about that suspension as well, actually. But you do see like where, who are, who are his favourites already? Who are the players he can rely on? So what do we think that means for the likes of, you know, Delhi and then Dombele, even Lacelso and Winks? Uh, like Delhi in particular, I'm I'm not sure how it how it gets any better, which I actually feel quite sad saying, but I, I don't really know what position he'd take up in this current formation and how he could improve the team being in there. I don't know if that's if that's being harsh, but I, I do think maybe his time is coming to an end. And I was and then with the likes of Ndombele and Lacelso, they don't seem like they're, they're trusted either. And I don't think they'd really fulfill the position skips taking up as, as well. Um, so, so, so yeah, and they're not even getting the chances in, in the Europa Conference League anymore because they can't be trusted. <laughs> after, you know, after, you can't go losing to Muir and expect game time. That's the problem. You've got, you've got pro- players like Harry Winks, who he was, he was very vocal um, about, you know, the, the first and the second strings going out to the tests. And, you know, I, I, in hindsight, that was a pretty poor move from the, the then manager. But you're not going to be rewarded with with game time if those that's the type of performance that you're putting in. So it, it's difficult to to see how they they get back into the team. It's going to be a big month, and rotation will be necessary. But in those really core parts of the team, it's it's tough to see where they come back. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It, it is getting harder to see a future for particularly Delhi, Winks and Ndombele, I think. Um, I suppose what I would say is people that know more about Conte than I do and, and have kind of studied him at Chelsea and Inter said that he he always starts by creating a kind of solid base and then and then kind of adds players like Fabregas or, or Ericsson even um, at Inter who are a bit more creative and expressive once he has the fundamentals in place and we, we've anyone who's listened to one of his press conferences will know that he says I'm not scared a lot and he also talks a lot about creating a, a solid base um, and a foundation and then kind of building off that and and, and you look at the, the team he's picking at the moment and that that's obvious you know it's it's the hard-working players generally the players who are you know kind of have those intangibles like commitment um, and, and, and focus and, and whatnot and, and generally players who are kind of soldiers I guess and who are malleable and who are going to do what what they're told tactically and it's not the you know the 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 indombles of the squad um so I wonder whether once he has the the principles in place then he starts maybe introducing La Celso possibly indombole but it is getting harder to, to to really see a future for those guys particularly as I think I kind I kind of get what Jude's saying about the Hoiberg Skip midfield. There's not a lot of maybe enough creativity in there, but you know if if he really thinks Skip can massively improve on the ball, which is what he said, um, then having Hoiberg just sit and and as a water carrier and kind of do the simple things and letting Skip kind of burst off that platform, um, I think that will kind of appeal to him. Um, so where does where would Ndombele play? You know, where would Delhi play? He sees mm. kind of Son and Lucas as, as auxiliary strikers, as, as sort of second and third strikers behind Kane. So I, I'm not sure they'll play in, in that role. Um, what's been talked about a lot is a, a kind of switch to a three, four, one, two. So Son joining Kane up front, and then and then there's a number ten in behind, and and that that would obviously change things because then that might create a spot for Delhi or Lacelso or Ndombele. Um 
but yeah, at the, at the moment, um, he's he's picking the guys, um, yeah, who, who I think are able to to kind of respond to his philosophy and his instructions best, and and you know, that reflects well on them, and, and doesn't reflect particularly well on the squad, the rest of the squad. Sorry. Oh, yeah, I think there's an ironic thing in that. I think if you were to improve the team in an attacking sense, you'd probably want someone who is good on the ball, who can pick a pass, but is also kind of, they could float forward and have that kind of bit of goal threat as well. So you could play them in a front three with Kane and Son or in the midfield with Skip and or Hoiberg. And I think the perfect person for that role would be prime Christian Eriksen, which is really sad to think about, but yeah. Um, that brings us on to the next thing, I guess. Um, so with those guys struggling to get game time, who do we think is going to go out the door? And this is from Ogido Mundo, one who wonders um, what, how dramatic do you think the January transfer window is going to be? And as an aside, we finished in his Spotify wrap for 2021. So thank you for your support. And he wonders, <laughs> uh, he, th- he asks, do you think that we could get top four this season? I don't think January well, will be as dramatic as has been made out, to be honest. I don't think there'll be a, a whole raft of outgoings. There might be one or two, but they'll have to be the right deals for, for the club, won't they? Really? Shift them off to Newcastle. United Delhi could go to Newcastle and like become their main man and, and start afresh. But, but yeah, I don't think it's going to be that dramatic, really. I'd be surprised. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I mean, I think January's never a particularly busy window. I mean, it's always built up by people like me in the media, but um, <laughs> sometimes sometimes by by managers as well. You know, it's all, it's always kind of built up by by fans it's and everyone. That, it's that Garth Wood yeah. isn't it? Where he's, he's got the X in his face, like, oh, wonder who that's for. <laughs> you love that one. <laughs> I do love that one. That's a good one. <laughs> hmm. Top four, though, yeah. yeah it's, it's, that's an odd one as well. Because they're like two points off with a game in hand, I think. We're back, baby. I know. I mean, do you even do you even allow yourself to think about that right now? You should. I think it's there, depending on United. I mean, I, I, I think there's, there's three teams who are going to get it. West Ham are looking very, very good. But I, I wonder if West Ham are going to have a sort of Pochettino Spurs type season because they're just doing too well in Europe and the League Cup. Um, Such a thin squad as well. Well, that's it, yeah. So do do they get to February and and just kind of, you know, win one in six or something and and just fall away because they're in too many competitions and their squad's not big enough. So I do do think it's there. I mean, it it really depends on whether United get their act together because obviously they've got the fourth, or or perhaps second or third best squad in the league. Um, so if Rangnick can, can get a tune out of them, then then I think you know they'll, they'll be favourites to to get fourth. But I think Spurs have one of obviously have one of the best coaches now, and that squad, for me, the squad is only a couple of additions away from from really being able to challenge. You know, and another another kind of w- winger who could play up front and deputise for Kane, and then perhaps you know a centre half depending on Romero, or, or certainly a centre midfielder. And I think. You know, it suddenly starts to look very different. Um, and just sorry, just to go back to January, while I don't think it'll be really busy, I, I do think, I, I, I think Doherty, I think probably Winks, I think possibly Bergvine, and I think probably Delhi. You know, the club is probably going to say to start saying to them, you know, think about any offers you get. Um, I think that them in particular, I mean, you, Doherty already seems to be behind Tanganga for that spot and you don't think his 20 minute cameo was enough to save him yesterday <laughs> I think he did okay yesterday actually that's probably uh, the best he's ever played for us honestly mm. yeah and, and probably balanced out the side you know quite nicely yeah, actually but yeah. uh, I don't see a, I don't see a future for him um, and you know he's he's got he's still a part, big part of the Ireland squad isn't he and it's just, it's just one of those where it's in everyone's interest that yeah, the same for mm. Wink, same for Delhi. I think that, that they go now. Mm. Yeah, Thanks for the enough. gift, but it's time to go. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think going back to top four, the thing that I keep thinking about is when you look at the final league tables of the last few years. Even when we've been so bad, we've still managed to rack up 
60 something points and been about two wins away from getting into the top four. And now I think we have a top, top, top coach. We have the one window to at least try and iron out the squad a little bit better. As long as we're just hanging in there. If we so say we're going into like the final five or six games of the season, was we're where we are now, we're two points off the top four with or without the game in hand. It doesn't really matter. If we're just there hanging around and hopefully not getting distracted by the Conference League, which we'll come to in a minute, um, there is a real chance for us just because of how I imagine Conte taking that down the stretch. I think he will really, really help us in that sense. Agreed, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like, depending how the next month or so goes, if we have, if if Kane does get his act together and he starts banging mm. in goals and we start winning like four or five nil, um, you know, that, that might, that will that help us close the gap on those above, for sure. It is a, um, it's a cliche, but if, one if, goal, if we one beat goal Liverpool 5 that... nil, then it's all. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a cliche. I don't believe. <laughs> it's a cliche, but with one goal in 13, you could really, it's, Kane has not really been in much this season. So when he does start scoring, it will be like a new signing when you think about it. Mm. Yeah. So that's yeah. great. Okay. So quickly moving on to Ren on Thursday. We need a win to top the group on head to head. Anything less and we we go either into the playoff round. Great. No, no, no. We go out. I think we're four points behind. We, oh, no, we, wait, can, we, no, we can no win the group. Um, cannot, we can't win the group. What? We can only make the oh, tin god. pot preliminary. Oh my god! I was just. <laughs> oh my god! I was just assuming we'd go top. What the hell? No, okay, we're we, four okay. points behind. Okay, that answers my next question. Is I got answer my next question? Is it better to go out? Um, yes. <laughs> but the problem with that is we would have to not win the game and have to deal with the humility of being knocked out of the Europa Conference League at the group stage. But is it better to do it now and rip that plaster off and get all the fans laughing at us now? Than in say March when we just eventually give up on the competition. Well, as I've said from the start, every scenario in the Conference League isn't bad. <laughs> so, it's such a loose, it, loose situation. It's if Spurs lose to Wren and miss out in the playoff and go out in the group as the inaugural English side in the new competition, it's hugely embarrassing. <laughs> Equally, if Spurs have to do a playoff in whenever it is in the new year. Yeah, it's also quite oh. embarrassing having to do a playoff to get through to the knockouts of that competition. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing winning it, yeah, that being the first trophy. It's also kind of embarrassing not winning it. So it's, I feel like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't with it. I mean, it would have been better to have not been in it altogether. I think there's 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 things to consider. I mean, one of them is Conte with with clear weeks on the training ground in the new year could I think really get Spurs cooking and as, as Sean said with, with a couple of clever additions and you know no European football in the new year you, you'd, you'd surely start to, to think that fourth was, was within reach and then that would be a huge boost to be back in the Champions League next season and have that to offer mm. financially and, and to new signings etc equally conference games even though they're, they're not selling out the stadium given the, the, the revenue power of that stadium they do Spurs want to be in the competition just to help ease off you know, the, the, the COVID impact, um, which was sort of laid bare quite recently in the accounts. You know, is it useful just to have the TV money and the, the match day revenue? There's lots of things, but I mean, my view is, is, is probably you know, just it wouldn't be an awful thing if, if Ren win or get a point and, and Spurs are out. I would love for Conte just to completely throw out under 18s and then there's post-match conference came out the old Jeremy Clarkson oh no anyway <laughs> <laughs> I don't spend too much time thinking about the conference league so I don't have an answer on this one <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> like I play football on Thursdays most I am actually going to go to the game because somebody's offered me tickets so I was like why not <laughs> like yeah usually not watching but it, you know, it would, it would. The other thing I didn't just say, but is a factor is it's it's so winnable under Conte as well. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's absolutely there for the taking to, to win the whole thing, and then that would also be a, a kind of a way to accelerate the, the process. I think you know, even though 
there is some debate about whether that would change the mentality, blah, blah, blah. But getting that monkey off the back, the trophy monkey, and, and winning a European um, Cup you know, would, would be, um, you know, I think it would be a great way to end his first season. Um, well, Con- well Conte, has a- this th- Conte has the same kind of stigma where that he can't manage in Europe because mm. he just, it's just re- for some reason, he can't do it. He got knocked out of um, the Champions League twice for Inter in the group stage. Um he got knocked out of the Champions League with Juventus and they went into the Europa League when the final was in their stadium and they couldn't even get to the final. So maybe Conte even needs it just for himself a little bit. Although would winning the Conference League sort of, <laughs> you know, would that, would that put Conte's Champions League critics to bed? I'm not sure it would. <laughs> yeah, what, what if he gets to the final and he beats Mourinho? Though I guess that relies he, on Mourinho still being at Roma and getting to a final. Yeah, he's more likely to beat Bodo Glimt in the final than <laughs> Mourinho. <laughs> That's the real pinnacle of their rivalry. <laughs> I beat Bodo Glimt and you didn't in the conference league. <laughs> right. Anyone got anything to add? I think we've rattled through quite a lot there. I think we've rattled through a lot for this nice catch-up sesh. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been good chatting with you boys. Um, hopefully we'll be back with you sometime this week or next for another edition and we won't go away for a month like we have this last month. Um Thanks for tuning in. Please remember to subscribe and leave a rating on whichever podcast network you use and we'll see you next time. Oh, what a night Watching Tottenham on a Tuesday night You play Thursday You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.